abundance. We all want more of it. Health, relationships, career, prosperity. To be human is to strive for more. There's ample advice on how to create abundance. We need to have positive thoughts and believe in ourselves. But what happens if positive thinking doesn't come naturally? Are we doomed? I'm Jill McCabe, author, entrepreneur, negative thinker turned optimist, and your host on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. For years, I struggled to believe in myself. And for years, I fell short of my goals and aspirations. Until I learned a nifty bit of neuroscience that taught me how we can all rewire our brains to have more positive thoughts, self-belief, and abundance. That's what I created Thinking Vitamins for. Thinking Vitamins are sticky ideas, mantras, and perspective shifts that retrain your brain to expect good things to happen to you. So I ask you, are you ready to boost your abundance? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode one of Thinking Vitamins, the four challengers of abundance. Question, what is between you, me, everyone getting all that we desire? Almost everyone I've ever met is looking for a tomorrow that's better than today. They're looking to create more abundance in some way or another, more health, more wealth, better relationships, greater prosperity. Most of us also want a happier, healthier, and more peaceful world as well. We want to leave the world better than we found it for future generations. But what gets in the way of that? Why is abundance so challenging? Some people, maybe they have it easy, but a lot of people I know, we've grown up and we've picked up all sorts of things from our parents bad habits from childhood, beliefs that were not good enough, even fears that going after abundance is somehow bad for others, that if we win, they'll lose? Is prosperity possible for all people? Can we have abundance no matter what our background was? Is there enough abundance to go around? Is there a way that everyone can become more abundant, or is it a choice? Some people get abundance and other people not get abundance. I'm Jill McCabe. Well, I don't know everything there is to know about creating more abundance. I have learned a lot. A difficult childhood set me on a lifelong journey to create an abundant and happy life. I've studied self-help, business, social psychology, even neuroscience related to how dreams come true. Well, goals, but dreams. For the past 10 years, I've made my living helping professionals and entrepreneurs create abundance in their businesses and lives as well. Along the way, I've learned a lot about abundance, and I've found four fundamental challenges that stand in our way of being more abundant, no matter who we are, no matter where we grew up. I've also discovered a secret weapon that I call thinking vitamins that can help us face these challenges and emerge victorious. Thinking vitamins with Jill McCabe. Boost your abundance in every way. We are all passengers, subconscious at the wheel. 
In this, my first episode of Thinking Vitamins, my idea was to share the backstory of how I came to spend a lifetime trying to figure out how to be successful and more abundant, how I discovered these four main challengers of abundance, these fundamental challenges, and thinking vitamins, the secret weapon that has helped me face and emerge victorious from all four of these challenges. I grew up in Toronto, Canada, and growing up, I was the least impressive of four children. I never really felt very good about myself back then. I had exceptional siblings. I had three other siblings. I had a twin brother who was amazing, still is, at sports. Back then, he was scouted for professional football, won wrestling championships. He's, oh, he was like the captain of the rugby team, amazing slalom skier, just could do whatever. He was so good. I had a sister who would just stop people in their tracks because of her beauty, but she was also very artistically talented, musically talented, and academically talented. Truly incredible. Had an older brother who was so smart that his master's thesis earned him an invitation of U.S. citizenship. And then there was me. In grade two, I was diagnosed with being dyslexic and not just a little, not just struggling with it a little, but quite a whole lot. I ended up having to have years of remediation just to be able to attend school with other people and not be in special classes. But there were certainly no expectations of me doing particularly well in school, and I frequently got pretty mediocre grades. And I never heard anything about it. There was never like, try to do better next time. It was always more like, that's okay. <laughs> we expect you to get seasoned. I mean, you know, and I noticed, I noticed my siblings doing so well and that sort of hurt. My mom would see me get really depressed, you know, seeing my siblings accomplishing all these things and me feeling like, you know, what was I good at? She would regularly say to me, however, and I, I must credit both my lifelong quest, my success, and many of my struggles to this, but she said to me back then, she said, Jill, some people are good at school and others are good at life. You're very wise and don't worry, you're going to be good at life. I don't know if I believed her back then and my memory, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I was sort of keen to what was going on is that she was trying to make me feel better. And that was the only way she could think of. But I, I do believe that she sort of embedded in me this idea that if I could only finish school, <laughs> then everything would be okay. And I think maybe I was so excited to make that happen that I dropped out of high school for the first time when I was in my teens. I think I was in grade 11, and I just couldn't get along with this English teacher who wanted me to follow all these rules and ways of thinking that I was challenging, and we were fighting in the classroom, and I was just really frustrated not, you know, being asked to conform to all these ways of thinking that my brain just couldn't understand, and that my teacher 
you know, really didn't make me feel welcome for my ideas. And so I I just went, all right, school's not for me. I've always been told I'm going to be successful at life. And so I dropped out. And that was my idea. But that wasn't the only thing that I was struggling with at that time. I have, uh, at that time, not too long after that, my parents uh, started getting a divorce and separating, and my father, uh, really struggling with mental illness, uh, ended up losing our family home. So not only was I not in school, but I no longer had a family home to go to. So at this point, you can imagine I'm trying to be good at life, and there's a lot going on. Eventually, after trying my hand at several careers, I was in the theater for a while, theater music for a while, and sort of discovered I wasn't so great at those. Eventually, I did find my way to the restaurant industry. And that actually is something that went pretty well for me. Now, how I got to the restaurant industry, I, I had been trying to figure out, like, what am I good at and what can I do? And I think that's a question that a lot of us ask ourselves at several points in our life, certainly when we're finishing school and oftentimes at several points during our career. And I found that I, at the time, the only thing I could remember being really good at was sort of cooking. So I went to cooking school and I got, you know, my chef paperwork. Yet at the same time, my highly accomplished brother, shortly after I declared that I was going to go to cooking school in Vancouver, British Columbia, a small cooking school called De Brol French Culinary School, he decided shortly after that that he was going to go to the Culinary Institute of America, which is one of the best cooking schools in the entire world. And I'm thinking like, of course, of course you're going to do the thing that I was going to do. Of course you're going to do that and you're going to go to the best school. Well, fast forward a couple of years later and my brother graduated from that school, one of the top two graduates of his year. He's an absolute superstar cook. So we're cooking together afterwards, and he's clearly the way better cook. Not just a little bit better, the way better cook. He's amazing. So there is another thing I'm not so great at, and my brother is totally amazing at. Well, I was smart enough to go into business with my brother, and it turns out I was actually pretty good at running the business. Oh, thank goodness. I finally found something that I was decent at. Although all of the stardom, all of the accolades, everything went to my brother, it still felt pretty good to be a part of a really successful restaurant. When I say really successful, I mean really successful. We were absolutely taken aback by how well we did. We opened this small 40-seat bistro. It was in Toronto, Canada. It was in this small little area. It wasn't even downtown. And, you know, it was where we could get cheap rent or whatever. And we ended up getting press around the world, you know, very, very quickly. We went from wondering how our business would do to being full every single night. We had... Over the years, some very famous people come to stay with us, uh, eat with us. I know we had, uh, let's see, we had Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones. We had Getty Lee from Rush. Uh, we had Eugene Levy, who uh, recently did 
Schitt's Creek. Oh my gosh, so funny. Renee Zellweger, lots of people came. I even, I was heartbroken one day when my reservationist actually turned down Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman because we were too busy to accept them. I was like, oh my God, that was difficult. But, you know, so we did really, really well. But I'm going to tell you, I felt I felt empty. And I was still on this quest from childhood to have this successful life. And I was super successful, the business was. And we were certainly, you know, really highly admired for my brother's cooking skills. But I really, I didn't feel that I was in it. And I remember about four years in, remember, this is like a little bistro, it's 40 seats, I remember thinking, like, this can't be it. This is great, but I can't do this every day for the rest of my life. That wouldn't be enough. So I went to talk to my brother one day. We were actually having burgers at this local pub. We had a couple of pints in front of us and big, juicy burgers in front of us. And I just remember, you know, just springing it on him, like, hey— you know, if you sat up from your grave and this is the only thing you ever accomplished, would it be enough? And his answer was no, and so was mine. So that set the wheels in motion to put our restaurant on the market and sell it so that we could go off and build a brighter future. Well, we did sell the restaurant and that went pretty well, but the brighter future didn't quite go the way I hoped it would. After selling the restaurant, I decided to go and find myself through travel, the way we do when we've got some money in our pocket and we've worked 24-7 for, actually it was seven years and 10 days that we ended up running that business. And I started just, I just started wanting to get out into the world. And I know I was, I went to Mexico and spent nearly a year there. I went off to Vietnam, the Philippines, and did lots of little trips in between. And I thought that by traveling the world, I would somehow discover my purpose and my calling and, and the next thing that I should do. I, I didn't though. <laughs> I spent well over a year in this, might have been closer to do, in this, you know, meandering sort of life, kind of wondering, what the heck am I going to do? I remember going through my first project to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to be good at life? So I take over my mom's place, and she lived in the country, and I'm trying to figure, I do this like maniacal project to try to figure out what I'm good at. I literally printed off absolutely every bit of work I'd ever done, any bit of research I'd ever done. I requested all this information from all my friends and people I'd worked with and tried to discover what I was good at. And I had papers absolutely all over her country house. It was in the middle of winter. There were snowbanks up to 10 feet high, literally blocking me into this house as I tried to figure out what I was good at so I could figure out how to be good at life next. And I really, really was lost. I eventually came to understand that I did like to figure out how to make things work. And so I eventually realized that maybe I could do this as a consultant. 
Fortunately, my success running the restaurant did enable me to start getting some consulting work, and it finally felt like I might be on the road after all that time to my abundant life. Then, in April 2009, it was spring in Toronto. It was a beautiful day. And I was driving along a highway we have that goes across, it's called the Lakeshore, and it goes across the lake. It was an, a sunny, gorgeous day. And in fact, I was driving home from my brother's house on my way to prepare a dinner party for some friends. I was on my way home from his house because he had actually done some of the cooking prep for me so I could show off and look like this star stellar cook for all my friends. But that day didn't go as planned. That day, my life changed in an instant when a driver on his cell phone ran a red light. He T-boned my car and I ended up at the epicenter of a multi-car collision. There were honestly can't remember, it was something like a nine-ambulance collision. The accident made front-page news. The ambulance driver, when he opened the door to the car and saw that I was alive, said, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I thought we had the wrong car, meaning he thought they should have sent a hearse. That really freaked me out. I was in shock, and at the time, I didn't really know the extent of my injuries. I ended up suffering from agonizing pain uh, in my spine, neck, brain, uh, caused by the accident. I was in physical and, really, emotional rehabilitation for up to about 18 months. Activities that I used to enjoy before the accident— like cooking, even if I did get my brother's help. I did like to cook. I couldn't do that. Standing for extended periods, going to music shows, even local artisan markets, everything hurt. There was not much I could do. I couldn't really even work anymore. I had just gotten this consulting contract and I had gone from being able to do complex mathematical you know, computations and systems and business projections to being really quite challenged by arranging a meeting for four people. I struggled to even read and sometimes understand street signs. By the way, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, yes, that was all from a concussion that went undiagnosed for over a year. As I came out of that, that's really the moment where that childhood vow came back to me. Like, why me? Why did that happen to me? And when I was really honest with myself, I had not been successful at life. I had not been good at life. You know, at the time I was living in a pretty nice condo, I had what I thought was a pretty good consulting job. But the truth was, I felt empty inside. That year and a half where I was getting better, I talked to almost nobody. I became a recluse. I was not surrounded by friends and family. Instead, I hid from them. 
because I didn't want them to see the me that wasn't handling it all. I didn't know how to be me when I wasn't strong, and I didn't feel even remotely good at life. At that point, I badly wanted to do my own thing. I still wanted to figure out what I was meant to do, but I also needed money really badly because I, at that point, was in over six figures of medical debt. So I got a consulting job because that seemed to be what I could get, and I paid my bills. And then I got another, and then I got another. I was finally financially stable again. I had paid off my debt and I was also feeling pretty good about myself. So I knew that it was time to go after my dream business because along the way, through all of the work that I had done, I had started to realize what I was really meant to do. And I knew that one of my big dreams was to create a business, teaching, coaching, sharing high performance, the kinds of things that I would share with my consulting clients that I could offer online, something that I could one day walk away from, you know, a true business rather than just sharing my time by the hour, knowing that if I was ever hit by a car again, I would be in a very precarious position. That's when I finally kind of realized, at least from a business perspective, being good at life was about having a business that could run without me. It was one of my very important goals because of the car accident. So after finishing up with a particularly large client, we had done a multi-year project, then I realized it's now, it's time. It's time to, for me to create my own business. So instead of going after yet another consulting client, I decide to start my company, name my company, start creating all these products and putting them online. And I spent years, that is the company that I am now running today, Boom You, and I spent years trying to make this happen. And I would love to tell you that I was able to create all the success for me that I was able to create for my clients, but that is not what happened. After two years of trying to put my business online, and by the way, this is prior to COVID. This is back when I would tell people I was doing something on Zoom and they would say, what's Zoom? People just weren't that friendly to online businesses. And you know what? My business didn't work. I had nearly spent all of the money I had made through consulting. I was moving towards debt again. I could barely care for myself again. And I really, really started to be scared. I thought, wow. Is this what's happened? Am I too late? Am I too late? And I went into one of those depressions, I guess, sitting on the couch of our second floor living room, looking out a window, 
not able to move, so depressed, too depressed to watch Netflix, too depressed to call a friend or talk on the phone. I just lay on the couch for days thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I don't think I can make it. And thinking, I'm going to have to go back to consulting. I'm going to have to get a job. This is not working. Not only am I not good at life, I'm not safe right now financially. I was incredibly frightened. At that point, I came across an article. I came across an article written by neuroscientists, and the article talked about neuroplasticity. It talked about this concept where the brain, it's called fire together, wire together. And it says that if you think something positive enough times, then your brain will start automatically having these positive thoughts. And I started realizing I didn't have positive thoughts. You know, how could I, after two years of trying to make a go of my new business and really not getting very far, I did not have a lot of positive thoughts to think about myself. In fact, looking back on my life, despite the fact that you know, I tried to make the best of things the whole time. I really just hit this point where I was just giving up on success advice. I was just giving up on everything I had learned. I mean, over the decades since my accident, I had been totally immersed in self-help and continuing to take business courses and studying psychology and getting trained in change leadership. Oh, yeah, along the way, I went back and I did get a master's in leadership, which was absolutely amazing. And despite all that, despite all these things that I had tried to do, I'm still struggling. I mean, there must be something really wrong with me. And I just couldn't maintain that positive attitude that I was supposed to, to create like a living where I could pay for myself, never mind like this abundant life. But this article this article really got me thinking because I I under I got it. You know, I got it. I looked at it and went, my brain has no choice. My I'm currently clearly very down on myself. I've been lying on the couch for days, crying. My eyes are the size of golf balls. And I'm realizing, no, I don't have positive thoughts. I think the worst of myself. But according to this, if I do this, and particularly if I do this in the morning, And at night, when my brain is apparently more receptive, and if I think positive thoughts enough, and they'd given examples, then you know what? I can actually force my brain to have a more positive way of seeing life. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, I can emerge victorious. And so I I honestly didn't have much choice. I was really at rock bottom. I was broke again. I was depressed. I did not believe in myself. I felt like a complete loser for being able to help people with their businesses, but being a total mess when it came to my own. And at that point, I just went, all right, well, it can't hurt. And that is when thinking vitamins were born. I thought of these ideas from neuroscience. I said, well, if that's something that we should be doing at night and in the morning, that's a lot like taking a vitamin. And we take vitamins for our physical health. 
isn't thinking a series of thoughts that's going to lead me to a more abundant future? Won't that help me with my abundance? So I just thought, okay, let's call these thinking vitamins. And that's what I did. I wrote them down. I put them on my mirror (laughs) in my bathroom. And I thought, great. Every day when I brush my teeth, I'm going to look at these and I'm going to read them. And every night when I brush my teeth, I'm going to look at these and I'm going to read them. My very first thinking vitamin, I had a goal to have 10,000 students online. Now, this was honestly a wild goal because I had never taught more than 100, 150 people a year. So to think that I would have 10,000 students online seemed like madness. But I put it on my bathroom mirror. I went, I have 10,000 online students. And... I had the thinking, I had that written, and then I had miracles happen. Miracles happen every day. Miracles happen for other people. Why not me? And that was it. And every day I'd brush my teeth, I'd go, I have 10,000 students online. Miracles happen. Miracles happen every day. Why not me? Well, that was the very first thinking vitamin that I came up with, and there have literally been dozens, if not hundreds more since then. And that particular one did lead me to miraculously getting not just 10,000, but getting well past, at the time of this recording, I'm well past 20,000 students online And you could say that was the beginning of things really turning up for me. And it was the first time I saw that even though I had all these struggles, even though I was predisposed to negative thoughts and doubts in myself, thinking vitamins worked. It changed the way I thought on a day-to-day basis. I went from having to do my thinking vitamins in the morning and at night when I was brushing my teeth. And then I thought, well, I lived in this three-story townhouse in Toronto, so there were a whole lot of stairs. And I thought, well, thinking vitamins would be a great thing to do Well, running up and down the stairs. So I started using thinking vitamins for that. I've since developed thinking vitamins into a careful tool, and I do adapt them all the time. There's a real flexibility with thinking vitamins. There's a combination of making your goals detailed enough, believable enough, and framed in a positive way, and making sure your goals are something that you actually really want. That's what I sort of learned personally and I've had the honor of working very closely with dozens of service providers, experts, and coaches on their businesses through my business, Boom You. And I have helped a lot of people create prosperity and abundance in many areas of their life. Of course, my company teaches how to get your business going, but I will tell you, equally important to doing that has been to explore what is blocking them from success, whether it's subconscious fears for going after success and and maybe being afraid to be seen, or it might be 
you know, fear of leaving loved ones behind after they go for a new dream. There are so many thoughts from childhood and and beliefs about the world that get in the way of people having their business success. And a big part of my job over the last number of years has been to help people spot these and create ways of thinking or thinking vitamins to absolutely change the way they see themselves in the world. And time and time again, I am seeing that this is helping people create brand new realities for themselves. And it's not just their business that gets better. That's what's completely magical about this. It's that in going after their business, I see them develop stronger, better relationships, get closer to family members. I'm vividly remembering right now uh, one of my clients saying, your working with you leads to better sex. (laughs) You should tell people that. And I guess I just did (laughs) because it was just astonishing to me that as we heal ourselves to go after one thing, that all these other things could start getting better. And I realized that's what I wanted to talk about for the longest time. I wanted to do a podcast. And a lot of people would have expected me to do a business podcast because I've been helping businesses grow for well over a decade now. But what's really interesting to me are the things, the thoughts that we have that lead us to not having lives that we feel great about. What's really important to me is that everybody get the joy and satisfaction of feeling like they're living an abundant life. Because something I've learned is that how we are one place is really how we are everywhere. And we can start using thinking vitamins to heal ourselves from the inside out and make true miracles happen in our life. That's how I came up with thinking vitamins. They are sticky thoughts, their ideas, their goals, their mantras, perspective shifts that help you see the world in a way that you're a winner in that world. Now, they don't happen right away. Just like I wouldn't take a vitamin C pill and expect to have my vitamin C levels be optimal or, you know, vitamin D and expect to be protected by that. But I do know that taking vitamins over time will help me be stronger and boost my immune system. And I do know that doing thinking vitamins over time will lead to boosted abundance. So those are thinking vitamins, and I've discovered since I've been using them, not just for me, but for my clients where I really get to witness what's going on, that there are these four challengers. I promised you these four challengers to abundance, and I have noticed there are these recurring foundational challenges that I'd love to say we all face, maybe most of us seem to face, certainly the people that I interact with. And thinking vitamins, what's incredible about them is they can help us with all of these challenges. So I'm quickly going to share these four challenges here. The first challenge that I see getting in the way of people and the abundance they want is a need for knowledge. 
simply a need for information that we don't have. But it's kind of sneaky sometimes when it's knowledge we need to go after a goal of ours. Especially as we get older, we tend to think that we've had pretty good experience and, you know, decades of experience potentially in some cases and most of the listeners probably have had and you've probably had. And so sometimes you get to thinking that, gee, you know, you know a whole lot about life. But time and again for myself and my clients, it has come up that we've struggled with abundance in an area because we thought we knew it all. We thought we knew what we needed to do, but we didn't. And sometimes there is this new information that comes in. And when you get it, it's like a complete wake-up call because you're like, oh my goodness, I wish I had learned that sooner. With me, I have dozens of wake-up calls that I can tell you about. And when I have talked to some people who I'm going to be having conversations with here on the show of Thinking Vitamins, they can think of ones as well they want to share. But real lessons, knowledge, information that they didn't get till later in life that paved the way for them to level up abundance-wise. So that's number one. Let's call those wake-up calls or aha moments. But is there a way to have more wake-up calls or more aha moments? I'll give you a quick thinking vitamin now, but know that we will come back and explore this in more depth through this series. A question that you can ask To get the knowledge that you need is very simple. It is, what do I need to learn to achieve this? Now, a way that I would suggest that you ask that question is that you have your stated goal, perhaps on a mirror, like I had mine morning and night. I would highly recommend it because your brain is more receptive at those times. And think about your goal something that you want, and then ask, what do I need to learn to get that? And that can be a really nice place to start. So that's number one, a need for knowledge, that wake-up call that you really want. And you can use the thinking vitamin, what do I need to learn as it relates to any goal so that I can have that goal? Next, The next challenger, fundamental challenge to having more abundance is something that I'm going to call tough choices because time and again for me and my clients, I've noticed that we face these tough choices. We have these dreams for our future. We have these ideals for what we want our life to be like. But we have no guarantees that we're going to succeed. So it can be really scary to go after our goals, thinking that, well, what if they don't work out? But it's also scary to stay in a situation that does not feel fulfilling, that just feels okay, that you're questioning on a daily basis, 
That's also scary. Again, we'll be going into stories about this, but for now, what would you do if you are currently facing a tough choice? A thinking vitamin that I'll give you for that situation right now, your quick fix, we'll get into more depth, but your quick fix would be, what would I do even if I failed? What would I do even if I failed? Now, that's a tough question to ask, but it is the question I asked myself at that point at which I was absolutely devastated on my couch for days on end, not getting off and crying. That was the moment that I realized I needed to go all in on my business, hire top coaches, get help, go into crazy debt on my credit cards, getting, I'm not recommending people do that. Uh, I'm just saying I was that desperate. And at that moment, I knew I had to do everything I could to go after my dream before I gave up because my option was to give up right then and there. And I went, no, what would I do? Even if I failed, I'd go for it because I knew I could get a job. I knew I could make it up if I had to, but I'd never know if I would have had that business unless I would have tried. So that's the second one, tough choices when we have to choose between either sometimes two good things or two bad ones or fear of what we know versus the unknown and what we know that we're not quite happy with and the unknown that we're really, really wanting. So that's another challenger of abundance. The third challenger of abundance that I've seen come up over and over was the need for an inner discovery, the need for inner growth, whether that be self-love, self-appreciation, forgiveness of, of some person who has done us wrong or resentment towards others. There are so many things that come up, but there's this really deep need for us to go inside and grow. What part of us needs to emerge or grow? You know, I call this obstacle course because when we go after goals and we continuously feel like, gee, I keep hitting these roadblocks and obstacles. Why me? Why me again? Are you kidding me again? No, come on. This is getting, are you serious, guys? This is not fun. I used to describe myself as a pinball in a pinball machine. I think I also used to describe myself as like as an old toy called a weeble, I'd be like, oh my God, I feel like a weeble. I'm like, I wobble, but I guess I don't fall down. Somehow I keep coming back. But what I was missing, I was sort of missing the point. And I think a lot of people sometimes miss the point. We have struggles happen to us and we say, oh, you know, one day that'll be great. And I don't see it now, but it will be. But what I've learned is that, yeah, we can make it the best thing that ever happened, but that's a full contact sport. Like we need to like go, all right, what do I need to learn? How do I need to grow? And I will tell you right here on my first Thinking Vitamins podcast, you know, one of the big ways that I needed to grow is that back when I was crying and thinking my business wasn't going to work, I worked with a lot of 
people who helped me realize that my motivations for having this great business to prove to the world that I could do it, to prove to the world that I was good enough. I was this kid who was the no good kid in the family. And this business was going to be this way of me sort of saying, look at me, I made it. I'm good at life. I'm not the worst, dumbest kid in the family. And that's not a good motivation from which to achieve abundance. And I worked with people who helped me discover that I could love myself, that I was good enough, that I was good enough right then and there. I didn't have to have this business to call myself good enough. I was already good enough. And it was from that frame of thinking, the frame of thinking that I wanted to do what I'm doing because I love it, because I love my clients, because I love my students, because I love what I get to do, and because I loved me for not being this perfect person that I thought I would become one day, realizing that that would never happen, because I loved the person that I was being and that person was always growing. So if you're constantly facing obstacles and the obstacles are upsetting you or frustrating you, remember, things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And I know that can be really hard and I don't know your circumstances, but I do know that I've had some challenging circumstances. My clients have had challenging circumstances and trying to get to that reframe of how is this happening for me? What is my inner growth opportunity here is the third challenger. And again, that thinking vitamins can help us overcome. The fourth and final challenger that I'm going to share with you today is what new belief, what belief do you need to shift? There are some, I'm going to say some core beliefs that are just straight up wrong and they are widely held and they keep people small and from achieving the abundance they could. There are so many. And again, we're going to be getting into those through this podcast because I really want to do some belief shifting. But I'm going to say, I like to call it choose your Kool-Aid, which belief is going to work for you. And I'm going to give you an example. Um, there's a global perspective that there's only so many resources to go around. You know, like if I have them, then somebody else won't have them. You know, somehow that we have to fight for these things. And it's truly tragic. This concept was keeping me from going after my dreams. It's another thing that got in the way of me and my dreams because I didn't want my success to somehow hurt anyone else. I'm sort of a sensitive soul and that just, I just wasn't comfortable with that. And I think a lot of people are like that. But the truth is, and this is like, we know this through science and we know this through social psychology, that the opposite is actually true. That when we achieve more, the people around us also do better. They don't do worse, they do better. It's not like I have it or you have it. We can all grow together. Science proves this very well, that we are the average, you know, weight and income and level of happiness as the people we spend time around. That means if you actually improve your abundance by listening to the Thinking Vitamins podcast, 
that the people around you are going to have a lift in theirs as well. The thinking vitamin I use to remind me that my success is not taking away from anyone else. In fact, it's helping other people go after their dreams too, is success is good for me and good for others. There's enough for everyone. I am worthy of being successful. I can honor being successful, and I deserve to be successful. That is a belief that goes a long, long way toward making your goals happen, but not just making your goals happen, but making the world a better place as you go after your goals. And so that fourth challenger to abundance is there's not enough to go around. It's me or them. And that is not a helpful belief. So I'm going to suggest you choose your Kool-Aid, which belief you'd rather subscribe to. There's not enough to go around or there's enough for everyone. And I will tell you that science is backing up. There is enough for everyone. With those four challengers revealed, I will wrap up today's podcast, the origin story of thinking vitamins, where they came from, those four challengers, and examples of what thinking vitamins look like. And that is today's episode. Thinking vitamins with Jill McKay. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to my brand new Thinking Vitamins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, I'd be grateful if you'd take a moment to like, follow on your favorite platforms, and share with one or two of your friends who've been seeking more abundance. If you'd like additional resources, including a free copy of my book, It's Go Time, by visiting thinkingvitamins.com. That wraps up what I have for you today. Until next time, remember, when it comes to training your mind to expect success, repetition wins. Practice your thinking vitamins every day and you will become more abundant in every way. Change your mind and change your life. See you next week.